There's just content opportunities everywhere. It's just a matter of almost recognizing them. Instagram, I think, really did a good job of making us see the world in a different way. I mean, how many bloody people took photos of their breakfast before Instagram, you know, or outfits in front of a white wall? Like it really just made you look for content opportunities everywhere you went. So even just going to eat food became a content opportunity. So I do think that that was obviously a potential benefit of Instagram because it, I don't say it made you look for beauty in the world, but it kind of made you look at the world in a different way. And I think that if you can train yourself to do that, you'll see that there's literally content for days. Welcome to Ladyland, a podcast by Lady Brains, where female founders step into our world. It's a world of change makers and innovators. We're talking to women paving their own way and extracting the very best lessons. We're your hosts, Caitlin Judd and Anna McKenzie, co-founders of Lady Brains, a digital and IRL club for ambitious women who are building businesses of the future. So strap in, fellow Lady Brain, and ride with us to Ladyland. Digital content consumption is at an all-time high and there has never been a better time for brands to invest in creating and sharing valuable and engaging content for their customers. That's what we're speaking about with our next guest, Lisa Tay. She's the founder and director of digital marketing agency Cody, which represents big name clients like Uber, Maya, L'Oreal, David Jones and Peroni. Lisa's also the co-host of business podcast Lick. She's the founder of beauty brand 101 Lifestyle, and she's a best-selling author and fashion blogger. She's the perfect person to provide us with practical advice on why it's critical to continue investing in marketing, even though in times of struggle, you may be tempted to scale it back. We covered a lot of ground from why it's important to support rather than sell right now, how to build a solid content strategy that gets cut through in an increasingly noisy world, and why you should be using LinkedIn as your go-to platform for building both your personal and business brand. Before we jumped into the business side of things, we asked Lisa how she's coping with the challenges that we're all facing right now. Firstly, thank you so much for having me. It's such an honour and I've been listening to your podcast for a long time, so I feel really, really excited to be talking to you guys. And I have to say, uh, the dedication to soundproofing or... (laughs) Yes, we are currently in a fort. In a fort, legit. So, yeah, so you guys are soundproofing by sitting under a blanket, so I must commend that effort. (laughs) Thank (laughs) you. 100%. Uh, Yeah, look, I'm doing okay. Uh, Look, I'm an introvert, so I actually don't mind isolating, to be honest with you. It's definitely being tough for business. So like I, I'd probably say 95% of the time I'm feeling pretty good. And then there with that 5% where I just go, oh my God, what's going on? Is my business going to make it? Uh, you know, will I be able to keep all my team? How are my clients going? So I definitely have those days where it's a bit of a struggle, but on the whole, I'm using and channeling my energy into just being the best I can be for my team of my clients and you know, trying to think of crazy ideas and new ways that we can keep pushing forward through this uncertain time. So you have a lot of different hats, but uh, your main business (laughs) at the moment is Cody, which is a digital marketing agency. And I know you work with a lot of fashion, beauty, retail clients. A lot of those would have taken a pretty big hit. How how has that impacted your, your business? Look, I'm not going to lie. It's definitely been challenging. Like we've had a few clients go on pause or scale back their activity. And, you know, I think, you know, more than ever now, we just have to be understanding of that and just show support wherever we possibly can. And I said to my team, 
you know, a couple of weeks ago, please call all of our clients and, you know, it's not about selling to them. I just want you to call them and touch base and make sure that they're okay and see if there's anything that we can do just from a human perspective. Like if they need to talk, just, you know, offer that you can be an ear to them and a support to them. So I think more than ever now, like we're sort of using the term support marketing. Like we're just trying to make sure that we're there to support our clients and in turn, encourage them to support their community and their audience as well. So, you know, once upon a time, it was fine to do very transactional marketing, Mm. you know, and you can have very clear messages like buy now, sell now, but it's just not appropriate for this current climate. So for certain brands, it's not right to be pushing a buy now, you know, uh, message. So we just say to them, offer support to your audience and your customer base, your community during this time. And, you know, hopefully they'll reward you because you supported them through this crisis when they do have money. And that's really how we're trying to educate them. And have you seen marketing spend go down with your clients? Yeah, look, that's a good question. So some of them are just keeping going as normal. Uh, So we actually do a little bit of like B2B clients for LinkedIn. So we actually offer LinkedIn management and they're sort of trucking along as normal because some of them are seeing this as a really big opportunity to actually take market share. So a lot of their competitors are pulling back or they might be smaller. So, you know, they're not even sure whether some of their competitors will survive uh, the close down and the coronavirus crisis. So they're actually using this opportunity to, if they can, increase their marketing spend because there are more eyeballs than ever before on online media, social engagements up. So really there's never been a better time to market because the cost per click, for example, is a lot lower or say if you're pushing out you know, the same content or the same frequency as you were before, you're probably going to be reaching even more people. So it almost says like logic sort of says, if you've got the money, then just keep spending, but just make sure that you're refining your message, of course. Mm, We'll get to that. Absolutely. Um, I was wondering, have you had to change your pricing structures at all, or have you had to negotiate um, or renegotiate contracts with clients? And has the business been able to support those changes to those, you know, those, um, arrangements? Yeah, that's, that's another good question. So we've tried to actually pivot. God, I don't want to be the, pivot. The, the 10 millionth person to use that bloody word, but we've tried to tweak our offering and offer new services in response to the change in their obviously financial position or their objectives or their needs during this time. So it's actually a bit of a wake up call for us, which is quite funny because, you know, I think it's always a challenge when you're trying to look after your clients, you actually forget about your own business. So our marketing's been embarrassingly dismal. So we're finally getting that into gear and we have changed our package and, you know, we've actually used this as a chance to actually audit our business and say what packages have been working, what haven't been working, what do our clients need now and change that offering. And of course, we definitely, um, where we can try and offer different packages to suit uh, people who have a reduced budget. So for example, example, Amanda from our team came up with a really cool idea to do a self-care box and we bring in a whole lot of different brands. It's going to get sent out to 25 influencers and the cost is split across multiple brands. So, you know, the brands won't have to spend as much to reach 25 influencers. So things like that, we definitely want to help where we can. And then we've been offering training to our clients just to give them updates on the state of, you know, the state of play of the digital landscape at no cost. Uh, We've been doing white papers. So yeah, you know, we try and just give them as much value as we can normally and always go above and beyond, but even more so now when a lot of them, you know, a lot of them are really hurting, but we're, mm. we're actually quite lucky because we've got clients who like, it's almost like they'll spend any, 
you know, any amount they have with us just to try and keep going. And we really appreciate that. So if we have to extend payment terms, we try and do that and just be as flexible as we can. You brought up an interesting point around kind of your own business and how you've been so stuck on servicing your clients, you haven't actually looked at the health of your own business. And it's something that we've heard a lot over the past few weeks. Everyone's kind of taking a step back to look and work on their business rather than in it. What were some of the things that you looked at when you kind of stood back and kind of assessed the health of your agency? Yeah, look, there's a lot and it's embarrassing (laughs) (laughs) because... I know it's embarrassing. I look back and go, oh my God, like our marketing was appalling. (laughs) Like, you know, things like we would tell our clients, you should be posting your feed like this and you should be posting X amount of times on LinkedIn and this type of content and do blog content. And we just had, you know, we always try and put our clients first. So we'd never really done that. So from a marketing perspective, we were just making sure that we were in line with industry best practice. Uh, From a process perspective, we're having a look and just saying, where are there gaps in our processes? Um, You know, I'm not very process driven. I'll be honest, my amazing ops manager, Lana, keeps the the ship running really. So she's fantastic. And she makes sure that we've got processes in place, even just, you know, little things like making sure we've priced things properly. So we've done a full audit of that. We've also So, um, you know, I think just as a team, like how to look at our culture and especially Mm -hmm. now, given that we're all remote, it's like, how can we be making sure that our team are happy? Mm -hmm. So we've been doing weekly training sessions with them. I have like a weekly morning whip with the sales team at 8.30 every morning and that's how we start our day. So, you know, and I would barely get to see them because I'd be in meetings normally, like physical meetings uh, in the past. So it's actually really changed the way our whole business has worked. And I actually hope that post corona, when we all go back to work, a lot of the things that we've implemented now actually stay and, you know, live on, even though we might not necessarily be working remotely. Yeah, I think you raise a really great point there. You know, the the extra time that we're all finding, um, we're able to assess the health of our business. And I know that's been really critical for us. Um, and we've made some pretty big changes to the way that we operate and market um, and communicate with our customers and clients. You said earlier that um, now is a good time to spend on marketing if you, if you have some, you know, kind of extra cash. But the reality is that a lot of us are strapped for cash right now um, as a result of, you know, COVID-19. I guess for businesses um, and brands that may not have big pockets, deep pockets, what do you suggest we do? What can we spend that money on from a marketing perspective? Yeah. So firstly, I would say definitely make sure that you look at grants because there are so many grants available at the moment. So make sure you're having a look at those and seeing if you qualify for any, because that's almost like a really quick win. Uh, But there are things like LinkedIn where there's incredible organic reach and TikTok. Like, <laughs> oh my God, we are obsessed with TikTok. Yes, we're probably <laughs> too old for that platform, but we are enjoying it. Oh, I love it so much. I have wasted hours on TikTok. Oh, my first TikTok went viral. <laughs> yeah, and now I'm like obsessed with it. <laughs> what do you mean? I literally have like three followers and I've got 13,000 views. That is insane. It's okay. freaking crazy. Okay, so this is the really weird thing about platforms like that. So everyone's very focused on Instagram and Facebook. And I think you guys came to a talk I did a couple of weeks ago. They're content saturated platforms. So there's pretty much no organic reach left on the platform because there's more content than users. Whereas if you look at platforms like LinkedIn and TikTok, they're content deficient platforms. So there's actually more users than content. So they're actually, the platforms are actually pu- trying to push and find content to push out. So 
the really interesting thing, you know, talking about how you were saying your first video went viral, I had like the same experience and it is actually so bizarre because, for example, if you did a post on Instagram or Facebook, you pretty much know the peak of it when like within 24 hours. So unless someone like Kim Kardashian or something happens to repost it or share or something, it might mm-hmm. get more traction, but it kind of pretty much just dies after that. Whereas with TikTok, it is so weird. So I had the same experience where I posted something. I had like 20 followers. I posted something on a Saturday. It, the embarrassing thing is the content wasn't even good. And then it's, the algorithm is so bizarre. So it like they call it small batch. So the way it actually seeds it out is it seeds it to a small amount of people and then it gives it an engagement ratio and it says, okay, great, this is good content. We're going to seed it out to more people. So when you go to the For You page, you'll see in amongst the good content, you'll see just random content that doesn't have that many likes. And then it pushes it out and then it just sort of sees, okay, yep, this video is good. It would then just keep pushing it out and pushing it out and pushing it out. But the weird thing is it does that for weeks on end. So... Mm. All of a sudden you'll find that a video that, so a video that I posted two weeks ago uh, now has like 60,000 views, over 60, almost 70,000 views. And I had at the time 20 followers, but randomly throughout the week, I'll just find that I get just another injection of followers and it just gets a whole another lot of views. So it's really weird because the algorithm's so strange. So it just keeps pushing it, even though the content's weeks old. So I don't know how it really necessarily calculates it and how long it'll keep pushing it for, but it's such a good platform for that organic reach. So in a really long-winded way to answer your question, if you've got limited budget, there are platforms like this where you can promote your brand and actually reach a lot of people. Whereas if you try to start posting on Instagram now, it's like you probably reach no one. So definitely jump on the platforms, obviously where it's suitable for your brand and your business model, but jump mm. on the platforms where there's still organic reach because you can still get traction in the market. I was going to ask you, you know, how would you use TikTok? I mean, we see a lot of, you know, young people on there doing their fun dances and it is a great, great platform. But for a brand, um, I mean, you know, it'd be great to hear from maybe a service and a product perspective. How can we use that platform in a really engaging, interesting way that will, you know, convert? Yeah, that is a fantastic question. So I actually just gave TikTok training last week. You're primed. Um, so you're, yeah, you get ready. Um, I'll try not to bore everyone though, because this is obviously not a TikTok training podcast. Um, <laughs> 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 for round two. Yeah. Uh, but, but in terms of the platform, the key demographic are obviously your Gen Z and your millennials. So they're going to be really focused around creating content and they love organic content. So if you are looking as a brand to advertise on the platform, you have to make your content look organic otherwise they will not even look at it so the actual ads on TikTok are interesting because you can get the ads that as soon as you open the actual um, app you'll see an ad pop up straight away I, I reckon those ads would have very minimal traction because they just look like ads so straight away it just looks like an ad um, then you've got your in-feed ads so you can actually scroll through and you'll see an ad pop up kind of like you're scrolling through Insta. So the interesting thing is it doesn't have a call to action button until a couple of seconds into the ad. So it will then slowly rise up. And then what that means is it looks like potentially content. 
So you're not even realizing it potentially that it is an mm-hmm. ad. So if you want to do that method, what I would recommend is working with an agency or, or engaging influencers to create the content. So for example, if you had, you know, like this cream, you could get like influencer to do a challenge where they put the cream on their face or do something and people won't even realize that it's actually promoting this particular product. They'll think, oh, it's just like a TikTok video. So if, say, for example, if they did it to a trending song, like the Savage song or something, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. trying to think of another trending song at the moment. Um, <laughs> Pop in. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the Drake song, that Drake, bloody, uh, yeah, the, the foot slide or whatever. Yeah, the foot slide song. Uh, then it will look like it's actually just organic content in the feed. Uh, so that's another way of working um, on TikTok. And then if you have a lot of budget, you can do a branded hashtag challenge. So, mm. so for example, um, brand. I think they tend to work better if the actual name of the brand isn't in the uh, in the challenge name or in the hashtag, but. For argument's sake, you look at McDonald's, they could do the Macca's Big Mac challenge. So you might get people to see how fast they can eat a Big Mac in 60 seconds or how many Big Macs can they eat in 60 seconds. And that, and then you get all these people to jump on board and do the hashtag. So on the actual, like the, the Discover, the hashtag page, you mm-hmm. can get your actual branded hashtag on there and then you can engage influencers to help promote that challenge. And then it should probably, given the viral nature of TikTok, then just take off. Ooh, yeah. you need to create a... A branded hashtag. Yeah, I feel like we also need to just be TikTok influencers so we can just yeah. charge millions of oh, dollars yeah. and retire. Just, yeah, That'd exactly. be great. Just retire tomorrow after. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I love it. I love it. So you've spoken a lot about support marketing. You you touched on it earlier, and I want to go a little bit deeper into that. Um, offering support uh, and just some, I suppose, guidance um, and just showing that you care to your customers and your clients. What what are some of the ways that you've done that that have really resonated? I know obviously picking up the phone and calling them is one way, but what are some other things that you've seen or that you've done that have that have you know been really nice and that the brands will remember on the other side? And obviously, you know, want to be able to spend with you. Yeah. So in terms of the way that we would educate our brands to do support marketing is we, we've identified four pillars. Uh, so we've got um, compassion and assistance. We have connect teach and entertain. So obviously those pillars aren't going to be right for every brand, but if you can work out what fits well for you guys uh, or fits well for uh, your brand, then you can tailor your marketing, your comms in that way. So obviously for us, like we want to connect and we can offer compassion and assistance where we can to our clients. But, you know, I look at one of our clients who's like a fruit brand, uh, like Modi Apples. And I said, you know, one of the biggest struggles that people have at this moment is we're all sitting at home. We're not going out to eat. So how can we, uh, you know, encourage people and teach people how to, you know, make um, recipes with your fruits, for example. So things like that can help you work out what sort of content and what sort of message to communicate to your clients. Uh, Even, you know, some of our clients are actually helping and offering discounts to healthcare workers. So one of our restaurants, Kalia, like they offer 10% off for healthcare workers. So, you know, things like that, we say, that's amazing that you're doing that. Make sure you're communicating that because, you know, I feel like after the bushfires, Australians were so quick to jump in and offer support. Mm. So, Mm, absolutely. So I, I think that they 
people like to know that there are brands out there who are supporting the people who are at the front line and who are fighting the disease. Uh, and it's just kind of scary because I feel like everyone came together for the bushfires and then with Corona, it was like panic buying. I'm like, I didn't panic buy and I went out to buy pasta. I'm like, shit, there's no pasta here. Yeah. <laughs> Where's the freaking toilet paper? I'm like, why is everyone panicking? And then I started to panic because I hadn't panicked. And then yeah. I was <laughs> the like, panic yeah, spreads like wildfire. Yeah, that's exactly how it spreads, isn't it? Yeah. Seriously. So I'm like, why am I spending $10 on pasta? Like, am I that desperate for pasta? Because it's like, I found a packet, but it's 10 bucks. So I'm like, I better just buy it because I might never get pasta <laughs> again for the next six months. So yeah, it's actually a crazy time. But, uh, you know, I think for all of us, especially in the marketing world, it's like you have to just make sure that you're adjusting your messaging. Because if you just pretend it's business as usual, like you'll look really insensitive. Yeah, we were talking about that earlier today with um, Kate Keane on our Instagram Live, the founder of Kate & Co PR, and she was talking about how, yeah, I mean, we all have to adjust our comms and tone mm. of voice and messaging kind of for the foreseeable future. I mean, I have seen a lot of brands kind of put out a COVID message and then kind of turn um, back to BAU messaging, but um, and that's really jarring and it just feels really tone deaf. Yeah. Yeah, the worst I've seen is like when I look at marketing companies and I – clearly see that they've just inserted the word pandemic into the the existing copy. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm like, replace word here. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, They've clearly just briefed the graphic person to add the word pandemic in there or Corona. I'm like, look, I don't think it works like that. (laughs) Mm. So in terms of coming up with the content that you put out for yourself and for your clients, um, you touched on, or you mentioned developing content pillars that really kind of focus your attention in terms of key categories or key um, topics that you can talk about. Where do you go from there? After you've determined what your content pillars are, what's the next step? So we would then help them execute. So firstly, we actually work out where they uh, sit in the market. So we get an understanding of their business brand or their personal brand. And especially for a personal brand, it's it's quite interesting because I think a lot of people forget that them as a person is a brand. So mm. where do they want to position themselves in the market? Who do they aspire to be like, or who do they see as their competitors? And then we work out, okay, so we want to position you as an XYZ person in the market or an XYZ brand. So that will inform the potential content pillars. And then we go on to actually create the content. So, and it'll be different for every platform and every brand. So some brands require very beautifully produced content and it has to be almost like edited to within an inch of its life. Whereas Mm -hmm. other brands actually work really well with a bit more raw content. So for example, Mm -hmm. for all of our LinkedIn management clients, we, we shoot the video and it's quite raw. You know, I don't think you need heavy production, you know, you don't Mm need, uh, you know, B-roll footage of them walking through their office or Mm. sitting, you know, pretending to talk to a colleague. Like it can be just quite straight to the camera. And, you know, I guess with a lot of our LinkedIn clients, like they're not content creators. They have no idea how to actually think in content. So for us, it really involves actually coaching them and getting the information and getting the interesting stories out of them because Mm -hmm. they don't realize like they've got so much knowledge and so much, uh, you know, so many interesting stories and so so much you know, great experience that can be shared and help other people because I don't necessarily think about content creation at all in their line of work. So it's our job to sort of help, you know, get that, extract that out of them and then put that in a way that's going to be best practice for the platform. So there's no point us saying, okay, we're going to record you, talk about this answer and they just crap on for 10 minutes because that's not going to perform well. So it's our job to make sure that when we're working with our brands to either create content or we're creating content for them, we do it in line with industry best practice and then we can post on their behalf as well. So yeah, it's a fun job. I love it. So you just said then 
you think in content and we know that you're an absolute content machine. You push out content, especially on LinkedIn, every single day. I know you've got a little um, a notes page on your phone that is a complete brain dump <laughs> of all the different ideas that you have. But can you t- talk us through what do you mean when you say you think in content? Yeah, so it's interesting because I think I've just, like, I'm passionate about content and it's interesting because Gary V was saying, like Gary Vaynerchuk, like that marketing guru, he was saying that no matter what brand or business or person you are, uh, you know, first and foremost, you should think of yourself as a, a media um company. Mm. And I was like, that's so interesting because if you think about it, like every time we publish a piece of content, we're telling people what we're up to, almost like the news. Like we're saying, hey, we're now offering this service or we've got this latest, um, you know, product. And, you know, if you start to think like that, you realize, okay, firstly, if I'm not telling people what I'm doing and talking and pushing out content, they're not even going to know that I exist or I'm not even going to be part of their um, consideration process when they're looking to spend money. So you need to make sure that you're investing time in creating content. And then when you start to think about it, you realize there are so many content opportunities all around you. So, you know, I'm sure a lot of us are listening to podcasts every day or going on LinkedIn or going on Insta or going on TikTok or talk to people in our network that give us advice or we give someone advice. And I always say to our clients, like if you, for example, for our business clients, if you give someone advice or if someone gives you advice and that, you know, really resonates with you, most likely it's going to help someone else. So that can already be a piece of content. If you listen to say a podcast and you go, oh, I love that quote or I love that message or I love that stat, write it down and that could be a piece of content. So, you know, even as like say a skincare brand, uh, if you're doing something and you create a new product, you've got a new routine or a new way of using a product, that's a piece of content. So, you know, I think if we can start training ourselves to think in content, then you're going to see that there's just content opportunities everywhere. It's just a matter of almost recognizing them. And I mean, Instagram, I think made, really did a good job of making us see the world in a different way. I mean, how Mm. many bloody people took photos of their breakfast before Instagram, you know, (laughs) or outfits in front of a white wall? Like it really just made you look for content opportunities everywhere you went. So, you know, going to, even just going to eat food became a content opportunity. So mm. I do think that that was obviously a potential benefit of Instagram because it, I'm not say it made you look for beauty in the world, but it kind of made you look at the world in a different way. Mm. And I think that, that mm. if you can train yourself to do that, you'll see that there's literally content for days. I love that. I think that's some really great advice. And we've absolutely seen the rise of content creation <laughs> over the last few weeks. How do we make sure that it's valuable and it's good content? Really, I would say my best advice is do things that are authentic to you. So don't feel like you need to be putting out certain things that, you know, just for the sake of it. Like I, to be honest with you, I'm not going to lie. Like not every piece of my content's gold. (laughs) In fact, most of it, most of it isn't. Uh, But I just put out things that really you know, have taught me something or I found particularly interesting. And then that's the barometer for me. It's like, if I feel like sharing it and I think it might help one other person, then I'll go and share it. And then I find that you start to attract, you know, like attracts like. So I'll start to attract people that go, Ooh, you know, I like that piece of content or I like the way she thinks, or I like that she's passionate about something. And then you just start to build that audience around you. So, you know, I think if you want to focus on really niche content, that's totally fine because you can be seen as an expert in your space. So I think if you can find something that you're passionate about, then that's going to help you continuously create content all the time. Cause I'm not going to lie. Like it is challenging. Like there'll be days where I'm like, yeah. Ugh 
sew sieves to create content. I've got to put makeup on. Like guys have yeah. it so easy. I'm like, literally, you just have to flick your phone on selfie mode. Whereas women uh, are just like, am I having a good hair day? Like, uh, got to wash the hair. Got to do the, yeah. Got to get out of PJs. Like, yeah, that's a struggle these days. Yeah. And you do it every life. day. Like you post content almost every single day on LinkedIn. How do you manage that? Are you, yeah. Do you just do that every morning? Or I do. I work it into my routine. So, mm-hmm. you know, for a lot of our clients, we batch record for them. So we go in and film on the one, you know, uh, you know, within a couple of hours just to make it easier for their uh, routine. But for me, because I've just worked into my schedule, I just get up first thing. I go, you know, do my little morning routine. And then before I even look at my emails, I'll record my video and then I just post it straight away. So I actually don't post it with subtitles on LinkedIn because I feel like, if you're looking at subtitles, you're kind of not really looking at the person's face and mm. absorbing their words and you don't even have to listen to sound. Whereas I feel that like mm. for me, I'm really passionate about what I do. So if I'm talking about something, most likely I'm going to have emotion in it. And I think you can really communicate that passion for your team and mm. for your job through voice more than anything. So I actually don't put subtitles so I can just post it straight away. And then I go about my day. Uh, and then I usually try and engage with the comments whenever they come through because that will help push your content further in the, the crazy LinkedIn algorithm, however that works. <laughs> so we want to dive into LinkedIn because you you're a massive fan. You're a big champion of the platform. <laughs> yep. um, why are you so heavily focused on it? Really, for starters, because it's an organic, like it still has the organic reach, Mm. for me it's worth investing in because it's not going to last forever. Like, in fact, I've actually already seen the algorithm change a little bit because, like you said, like everyone's jumped on now. So there's a lot of people who are looking for new jobs, looking looking at ways to promote their business. So there's more people on the platform than ever before, but that means there's probably more content than ever before. So naturally, LinkedIn has to start sifting through and, Mm. and saying, okay, what's actually good content? What's bad content? So I really do feel like there's, uh, you know, a big opportunity on the platform, but I know that a lot of people will be posting content for the first time during ISO and they'll just not do it again. Like they'll go back Mm. to their normal job and they'll forget about it. So if you're going to commit to it, definitely give it like 110% and actually commit. And, you know, I think you guys are great because if you're saying I can post two to three mm-hmm. times a week, then that's amazing. And that's like a realistic schedule for you guys. Mm. Um, but I've personally just seen so many leads come from LinkedIn. I've had so many opportunities to speak, like, you know, speak at uh, seminars, um, do a show, do a podcast. I met my business partners actually on LinkedIn. So the wow. two investors oh, I have, yeah, two investors I have in my business. So one of them actually had in his LinkedIn bio looking to invest in agencies. So I actually messaged him through LinkedIn <laughs> and now we do like lots of cool stuff together. So you just never know who you could see on the platform. And that's actually how I got to interview one of the co-founders of Netflix. So mm. I actually posted a couple of uh, posts with his uh, quotes in there that I'd heard on a podcast and then tagged him and then he liked them and then I messaged him and then we ended up uh, getting the chance to interview him. <laughs> it's pretty so insane. It's like, I know. I'm just like, oh Love my that. God, is this really him? Like it just seems so crazy. So you just never know, you know, and I think it's worth, and even for you guys, like, you know, say for mm. example, for your podcast, you could be reaching out to amazing women on LinkedIn mm. and actually talking to them and, you know, you wouldn't otherwise get that chance to maybe get their email or cut mm. through their, the DMs in their Insta, I feel like almost Insta, like Insta DMs are like hard to navigate through, whereas LinkedIn is just a bit easier to sort of see. So Mm. 
But look, there's a lot of thirsty men on LinkedIn, like I mentioned in that talk. <laughs> I had one this morning. He posted this terrible photo in the comment and said something about how he wanted to marry me. I was like, oh report gosh. straight away, block, like not mm, right. Is it meant to be a professional Thanks. platform? Yeah. <laughs> look, it's meant yeah. to be. But it's hard being a woman on LinkedIn, I'll definitely say, because sometimes... Uh, you know, men will reach out to me and I'll go, are you trying to date me or do you actually need help with your digital marketing? So Mm. it is quite challenging to find that balance. And I do find it hard for men as well because they must just go, I'm not trying to pick you up. I'm just trying Mm. to get help. Um, Mm. But then, you know, some of them are like, do you want to catch up over a coffee or wine? And I'm like... No. Not really. Thanks. No, thanks. Just do a Zoom call. Yeah. Can now because you have to. Yeah, exactly. Good excuse. Yeah. Great excuse. Yeah. Great excuse. Um, It is a great platform to build uh, personal brands um, because everyone has their own profile. Do you see a distinction or a difference between how brand pages perform versus building your own personal brand? And is it important for founders or brand founders to build their own personal brand on the side? Yes, that's a great question. So it's harder to grow a business page on LinkedIn without a doubt. So for some reason, it's just slower to get traction. And I really do believe that's because people are more likely and more wanting to connect with people, especially Mm. now, more Mm. than brands. So brands can be a little bit faceless uh, and Mm. a bit sterile because the content has no, a lot of the content has no human element. So I would 100% recommend that if you're a founder of a business, you should be 100% using LinkedIn to promote your personal brand, which will in turn promote the business as well. So I actually rarely uh, post content around digital marketing. I post general business content, but people, because of the way I've optimized my profile, people will come to me to talk about, you know, to get help with digital marketing. So there are definitely tips and tricks that you can do on the platform, but I would say at a minimum, business owners should 100% be um, promoting and growing their personal brand on LinkedIn. What are some of your top tips for optimizing your profile on LinkedIn? Firstly, definitely have a good profile photo. So don't have like a Tinder shot or something. (laughs) Just uh, the basics. You've got to get the profile shot right. You're going to change yours, Anna. (laughs) (laughs) Change your Tinder profile. (laughs) You'd be surprised. Like some people literally have really unprofessional photos or it'd be Mm. ones where it's clearly like they're out on a Friday night and they've just cropped the shot and (laughs) there'll be like a half of someone's face in the background Um, or they're not even looking at the camera and you can't see their face. So, you know, or it could be like they're really tiny on the screen. They're sitting in a restaurant or something. And that's actually not good because what that means is Say, for example, if you're reaching out to connect with someone, like if they can't see your face and they're like, who is this creeper? Like they could be a weirdo. I'm not going to accept. Mm. So 100% definitely uh, I would say make sure you have a a killer profile shot. If you have a brand uh, or a business, then make sure it's in the banner. So a lot of people, if you see that blue, random blue banner, that's like Mm. the stock standard LinkedIn banner. So there's no excuse for having that. You should put in, (laughs) you know, even if you don't have a brand, then you can put like an image that maybe something that is obviously professional, but that represents you. Yep. So make sure that that's on point. Make sure your bio is interesting. God damn, there are some boring bios on LinkedIn. Mm. <laughs> They're so text heavy and dense. And a lot of the time people say more about the business that they run 
or that they work for than themselves. And it's like, this is a chance to promote yourself. And yeah, sure, you might be the founder of a business, but talk about why you decided to create the business or Mm. what inspires you, what you're passionate about, what makes you different, because you never know what people might pick out from your your bio. They might go, oh, she loves fly fishing. I love fly fishing too. (laughs) And then reach out to connect. I don't for the record, but. I was like, I don't think I've seen that on your LinkedIn. No, no. I actually use emojis. So, you know, I think, you know, Obviously don't use the eggplant emoji because it's still a professional <laughs> website, but, you know, don't be afraid to use emojis if you feel like it's right for your pre- professional brand because it is still a social media networking platform. Yeah. Uh, so then my final tip would be to make sure that headline, so the headline is that little one-liner underneath your profile picture, make sure that really accurately describes what you do because what a lot of us forget is, you know, that they might have a position. So I might, mine might say director of Cody agency, but people will be like, what's, what's that? Like that could mean anything. Like, do I sell couches? Do I sell, mm. you know, what do I sell? So, you know, make it really clear what your actual offering is. Cause unless you're like an Amazon or an Apple or a Facebook or a LinkedIn, where you don't have to actually describe what your brand does, cause it's got such strong brand awareness, then you're missing out because your content or your little headline will show up in people's feeds, but that's all they see. They don't see your bio. They don't see your experience. So if you're not making it really clear what you actually do, then you're going to miss, you know, the chance for people to engage with you and want to connect with you. Some good tips there. Great tips. (laughs) And then from a content perspective on LinkedIn, what's been working? You know, there's, I've heard you've been going live, there's videos, there's posts, like tell us what's working. Articles. All the things, all the things. Yeah. Ideally, it'd be good if you could do a mix. Uh, Definitely video performs the best. So it's 20 times more likely to be shared and five times more likely to be, to start a conversation and five times more likely, or I think it gets um, five times higher more engagement. Did I say that right? Five Mm -hmm. times more engagement. Yep, than other type of posts. So video, I would say, especially during this time when people are trying to connect from a human perspective, 100%, if you can do a video, do a video. And look, it doesn't have to be beautifully produced. I just use my phone. I bought a cheapo tripod off eBay. I find the natural light. I try and look decent and I just record on my phone and then I post it. So you can use a program like rev.com and actually do subtitles if you want to do that. And you can just upload it and then get a subtitle file and upload it with your LinkedIn video. So you can do that if you want to. But uh, yeah, definitely if you can post articles, post them natively onto your LinkedIn profile. So what that means is Uh, not only will LinkedIn push it further, but if you notice every day you get what's called a daily rundown and it'll be a bit of information about, um, you know, like the top stories for the day and you can actually get your article pinned to one of the LinkedIn editor articles. So what that means is everyone who's reading that article, if they keep scrolling down, they'll see your article. So uh, that's really great for thought leadership establishing thought leadership and brand awareness. But if you don't feel like you can write that well or you don't want to do video, you can always just do a basic text post mm-hmm. or you can um, post an image, you know, and accompany it with some text. But the thing that I would say is I, link, the LinkedIn algorithm doesn't really favour sharing content for some reason. Mm-hmm. So say, for example, if you guys have written a, an amazing article and I go, oh, I love that article by the Lady Brains team, what I would do is go, hey, guys, saw this great article by, you know, and then you tag the people or tag the organization. My favorite quote from it was X, Y, Z. I'll put the link in the first comment and you can go and check it out. So if it's sending you off the platform, then I would always put the link in the first comment because it gets around the algorithm of LinkedIn not liking to push people off the platform. 
Mm, that's a good tip. I haven't heard that before. Good tip. Yep. Yeah. Mm. Yep. Some food for thought there. Definitely. Mm. I mean, mm. I think it's a really interesting platform to explore, especially for founders of service-based businesses at the moment who, you know, may have lost clients or um, maybe struggling to find new clients. I think it's a good it's a good investment in time at the moment if Huge. founders have the time. Yeah, yeah, huge. And I think, you know, people always say, you know, I've got no time. It's like you've got time in the day to do anything. It's just everything isn't a priority. So you just have mm. to work out what that priority mm. is. And if you feel like it's making a quick LinkedIn video for five minutes, then do that and work that into your schedule. But it's like yep. you have five minutes, you know. Yeah, yeah, yep. definitely. Absolutely. LinkedIn is a great way to reach out to new contacts and you said that you've met some, you know, investors and business partners across LinkedIn, which is fantastic. What are some of the outreach tactics that have worked for you? I definitely have to keep it personal and take Mm. the time to write a custom message because there are so many people, I'm sure you guys have received it as well, just Mm. sending these stock standard template messages. And, you know, like I get it, like it takes time. But like the interesting thing is like I did some cold outreach I sound like a bit of a loser on a Saturday night um, a couple of weekends <laughs> ago. Saturday night. That's okay. We've done uh, it too. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the funny thing is we're all in ISO, so it's, I kind yeah, of... Totally. Yeah. I would probably be doing it anyway, let's be honest. But now I can go, it's just because I'm in ISO, so I don't feel like it's such fine. a loser. Yeah. But I got I got so many responses so quickly because everyone's bored at home. I'm like, this is great. Yeah. <laughs> so totally. I... Yeah, so I took time to send 10 personal messages. So I might have said, hey, you know, how are you and the team going? I saw your post on this. I really liked it. Or I might have shared them one of their posts and said, hey, love this initiative. Uh, If you need help, X, Y, Z, or did you guys want an update on X, Y, Z? And then I had, within the space of an hour, I had like four meetings um, teed up for the following week. And, you know, I'd much rather do reach out in a more personal way rather than just spam a whole lot of people uh, if I can avoid it. Uh, So I would definitely say spend the time, like you're better off doing quality rather than quantity on Mm. LinkedIn, I would definitely say. Um, So, yeah, I think – and also I personally prefer to message after hours because a lot of people are busy during the day, like they're trying to Mm. jump on calls or on meetings so they might miss your message or they might see it and not get a chance to respond, whereas after hours, like they're most likely just sitting on their phones, Mm. you know, on social. So if you send them a message, they're probably more likely to go, oh, yeah, I'm not getting interrupted by an email getting pinged through every two seconds. Mm. So they actually have that time to respond. I think one thing we found as well is that people are taking meetings, you know, people that may have been out of reach before COVID now are much more open to having phone calls or taking meetings or responding. So we've kind of landed some meetings we've been trying to get for ages um, in ISO because, you know, people are more like more, more willing and open to help, which has been great. So it's actually a really, really good time to invest mm. in, in outreach. Yeah, you're exactly right. And people, uh, you know, aren't travelling at the moment. So they're not travelling to yeah. work. They're not travelling to and from meetings. They're not travelling interstate or overseas. So they're actually stuck at home. So they probably want to be doing the things that they didn't have time to do before or they want to connect with people. So, yeah, you're 100% right. Now is like the time to be grabbing everybody that you wanted to grab. So maybe like beyond. Say, I'm sure she's oh, yeah, in ISO. Yeah. <laughs> she's on the list. Does she yeah. have a LinkedIn? I don't know. <laughs> oh my God, reach out to Beyonce. Hey, love your new song. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, one can dream. <laughs> one can dream. 
I'm hoping you can answer this question. You mentioned that you had an ops manager that helps you manage your content. What do you use? How do you manage your content day to day, month to month, you know, to roll it all out? Yeah. So she creates all of our processes for our clients because I'm horrendous at that. So she's amazing. So we've got like different software that we have in house that we can use to schedule, for example, um, keep track of analytics. Uh, so that sort of helps us from a production execution perspective. And then like for me personally, um, I'm actually pretty like I'm pretty bad when it comes to apps and things like that. Like I don't really even edit my photos that much. I kind of just post things. I never edit my videos. I just kind of post them. But there are plenty of tools out there that can help you even like see a layout of an Instagram before you you post it. So you can like move around the photos and have a look to see what the feed will look like if that's something that's really important to you. There's a program like Rev, for example, that has uh, subtitles, like quick and easy subtitles for videos. So yeah, there's, there's no shortage of pretty much to be honest, if you Googled like apps or something to help you with any problem that you're finding with content, then I'm sure there's definitely something out there to assist you. Like people are smart. They think of everything. There are lots of tools. That's for sure. So many. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we've just got a couple of wrap up questions. We wanted to offer you the opportunity to do a bit of a shout out to somebody that has really helped you on your business building journey. Is there one person that you can think of? Oh my God, that's a hard one. (laughs) It's really hard. Oh no. I kind of feel, I'm really lucky because I've had amazing women business owners in my network. I have to say, I'm actually going to shout out my ops manager, Lana, because she's been like, yeah, she just allows me, like she just accepts me for me. Like she's, <laughs> she keeps the ship running. It's like, we all know that she's the boss. I'm just there to <laughs> be a crazy person and think of new ideas and then she helps execute it. So she cares yeah. so much about the team and she can put in the time with them that I wish I could, you know. Mm-hmm. I'd love to be able to spend all my time with them and, uh, you know, mentor them and, you know, invest in them and teach them. And it's really hard because my time's so stretched, um, you know, doing BD and things like that. So she really is spending the time that I wish um, mm. that I could. Um, and I have to shout out Mia. Um, I know you have Mia from Moxie on. We love her. <laughs> Oh Mia's my gosh, great. she's amazing. Yeah. So she's, I listened to her podcast, I reckon, no joke, like 30 times. I was like, Aww. I keep listening to it. I keep <laughs> listening to it. It's amazing. Uh, but she's incredible. She's just really giving and she's just such an inspiration. And like, I have to say, having women, like, look, I'm not going to lie, I've got amazing men, uh, you know, that I lean on for business advice. But having a woman, I think just, you know, just makes it all that little bit more special. Mm. And like, mm. even today I was sending her this, like I actually rarely get trolled on LinkedIn. Like it's quite a positive platform, but this woman today, I was wearing this off the shoulder dress and she goes, are you actually, you know, you're, oh, she goes, you, you're actually not representing the modern woman. Like you don't have to show skin to be successful and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, this troll, just wait. And then so I went on and replied and I sent it to me. I was like, was this too harsh? And then she's like, no. And then she jumped on to the comment. Oh, really? Oh, this and was like, all on the, um, wasn't in the DMs. It was on the. She's got you back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like, yeah. shame on you, well, whatever the person's name was. And I just thought, oh, it's it's amazing having, you know, loyal yeah 
people like that in your life who will look out for you and and have your back, you know. Mm, so I do feel 100%. very fortunate, especially when it's hard for women in business. It's like, you know, if other yeah. women are tearing you down, it's like, guys, why? It's mm, really hard. Yeah. Like we should yeah. be lifting each other up and supporting each other. Completely. Yeah, absolutely. Nicely said. Um, and lastly, we wanted to ask you, what's one thing that you need right now? I would say one thing I need right now, oh, I would love to just things to go back to normal. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I know. Yes. And just like, because I think the hard thing is if we could just go back and have some certainty, it would probably make people feel less anxious and less worried mm. because, you know, all that uncertainty, like I've sort of resigned myself to the fact that, you know, a lot of the stuff I would normally have traditionally worried about you can't control, um, yeah. you know, and I would actually talk to my therapist about it and, and she would say, you know, like really the only thing you can control is how you choose to react to situations. So I'm like, yeah. yeah, you know, that's so true. So when I see all these people worrying about corona, it's like you can't control corona. Mm. Like what you can control is, say, for example, how hard you choose to work during this time and where you choose to channel your an- energy. So I sort of wish either it would end so people could worry less or people could learn that, you know, there's a lot of things that we can't control. So it's no use spending so much energy and time worrying about it when we Mm. could be channeling our energy into doing something amazing. Like, you know, rather than sitting there worrying and stressing about Corona, why not pick up the phone and call a friend, you know, and talk to Mm. them for 10 minutes and check in and see how they're doing or do, do something nice for someone or make a donation or, you know, do something nice for your partner or your friend, like, you know, your housemate or something. Mm. So, yeah, I think it's it's just really, uh, I think that mental health piece, that's a whole nother conversation, but mm. I think it's hopefully going to make people a lot more open about talking about their mental health because I think there's a lot of people struggling out there. So mm. the more that we can encourage that and encourage people to be open, and I've actually used my LinkedIn to do that. So I've tried to talk about mental health where possible and my challenges with mental health. And mm. a lot of people have actually DM'd me saying, thank you for actually sharing mm. your thoughts about it because I'm going through something similar. Or I've gone through something similar and I haven't spoken to people in my own network about it. And for some reason, people find it easier to talk to a stranger about their Mm. mental health. So Mm. I'd encourage everyone out there, like if they're struggling to make sure they tell someone because we're all struggling together. We're all in it together. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. that's for sure. And it's comforting to kind of know that we're all, we're all in the same boat, really. Yeah. Yeah, For better or for worse, we're stuck for the moment. Yeah. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. Thanks, there was so Lisa. much meat in there. Oh my god, I loved it. Really oh, appreciate sorry. you kind of making the time and thank um, you. Like yeah. with this setup, I know. <laughs> Apologies for our for that's like falling in on us. I know it's so fucking hot in here. It's dedication to the cause. But thank you so much for having me. I think you know oh, more pleasure. than ever now. It's uh, it's amazing to have a resource like what you've created, which really is a community where women can feel safe and they feel supported and they can learn, you know. There's some amazing interviews you've got on there and there's so much valuable content. So thanks again for having me. We cannot wait to unpack the lessons from this chat in our Facebook group, The Lady Brains Clubhouse. A few things we took away. Firstly, there are content opportunities literally all around us. We just need to train ourselves to see them. A book you've read, a podcast you've listened to, maybe this one, a thought or reflection you've had about something related to your business. All of these are pieces of content that can be posted across your social platforms to keep your brand front of mind. Secondly, we all spend a lot of time curating the gram, but actually Lisa suggests that LinkedIn is where it's at. Spend some time and energy focused on building your own LinkedIn profile because organic reach over there is far, far greater. 
And lastly, if you're committed to pushing out content, it has to be consistent. Figure out a way to integrate content creation into your routine so it becomes second nature. That's it from us. We would be so grateful if you could share this pod across your socials and with one of your best business buds, someone who would learn a little something new from our chats. Until next time. Ladyland is hosted by Anna McKenzie and Caitlin Judd. The producer is Brooke Carrigan. Audio production by Matt Nikolich.